electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner. Front and center this hour, your money in the tech trade. What is your best strategy right now? Remains volatile. We'll discuss and debate with our investment committee this hour. Joining me in just a few minutes as well, Altimeter Capital's Brad Gerstner. He's leading the Roblox direct listing today. Obviously, we have so much to chat with him about. Not only that, but the state of tech in general. Looking very much forward to Brad Gerstner. Right now, the investment committee is with me. Joe Terranova, Steve Weiss, John Nigerian, <clears throat> excuse me, Brenda Vangelo is the CIO of Sandhill Global Advisors. I'm going to take you to the wall first and foremost, as we always do, show you where stocks currently trade. Another new intraday high for the Dow. Four-day gain now for the Dow, the most since November. What a trip for the NASDAQ already. Was up big, dip negative. Now it's up nearly 75. So that's where we stand. Dow's good for about 400. All right, I want to talk about the moves that you guys are making. It plays right into uh, this story. Joe's got some interesting ones, which I'm going to get to in just a second. Steve Weiss, you continue to bet, I think, at least against good parts of tech, right? Well, I wouldn't say it's a bet against it. I'd say that I'm cutting my exposure. Look, I think the fundamental oh, story, particularly words. in the semis. Let's not parse words, <laughs> yeah. dude. I'm increasing. My... You're negative on okay, the semis, okay, right? Sorry, You're getting sorry. more negative on the semis, right? Just let's just come on. I'm getting more negative on the market, not more okay. negative on the fundamental stories. Right. And it doesn't matter what I believe. It matters what the market believes and what the market's going to do. So on one hand, the analysis of technology in the semis is very easy because all you have to do is look at the 10-year. And whichever way the 10-year is going, we saw it today, microcosm of trading. 10-year, the yield comes down. The SMH and the Qs, NASDAQ, go up. Then you see that... Rates will go back to neutral for the day, and then these stocks will then trade down, whereas the cyclical stocks continue to move higher. So, look, I'm looking for a reentry point back into the semis. Took the opportunity to lighten the exposure yesterday on the pops. There'll be a lot more pain in it, but I can't give up the whole positions because they're still cheap stocks, and they're not. The old playbook's working for now, but it's not going to work as you go out a few months. Okay. But everything depends on rates. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, you're, look, your guy Tepper said we were good, at least for now. He thought that the, the, the worst of the, the move in rates at least was, was behind us. We could talk about that in a moment. Let me get to Joe, though. We've added him um, as well. Joe, you bought Alphabet and you bought Pinterest. Okay, tell me why, because this factors right into the conversation we're having now. Yeah, finally had the opportunity to buy Alphabet. I've been talking about doing it for the better part of the last year. Um, I like the capital allocation story with Alphabet, and clearly uh, you are seeing the growth of cloud. What really stands out is the stellar uh, relative performance that this emerging uh, story from cloud has evolved into for this mega cap technology name. So relative to its mega cap technology peers, Alphabet has really performed well as you've seen the precipitous decline for technology. So I wanted to add some exposure. I'm doing it through what I call established growth. Finally got the opportunity to be in Alphabet. And the one, Scott, that I'm really excited about is Pinterest. Um, I, I think when you're looking at Pinterest, this is the social media play. This is an e-commerce platform that has that positive vibe. There, there's nothing standing between the shopper and, and the advertiser. There really is that true uh, purchase inspiration that's represented in the growth of monthly active users. So got a pullback in Pinterest, finally was able to get into that name as well. Uh, and to allow for these names to go into the portfolio, I liquidated Home Depot, which is just really going nowhere, and Whole Logic, which is a healthcare name, which has significantly underperformed, and I lost money on it since I purchased it. It's interesting, the Home Depot thing, right? Seasonally, you are entering what could be the period, at least traditionally, for a Home Depot to, to do quite well. We'll get back to that story in just a minute. I Speaking still... 
No, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I still have LPX, Scott, which is performing very well. And I would encourage viewers to look at the performance of Lennar uh, and D.H. Horton, which is beginning to kind of begin to recover. I would look to enter Lennar. Okay. All right. Good stuff. Thanks for that, Joe. Um, Brenda, you've sort of been leaning more cyclically um, lately. Is that where you still think the best opportunities are right now? We still think the best opportunities are on the cyclical side, even though they've had a really nice move. But if you look back over the last decade, I mean, they've really underperformed pretty meaningfully. Uh, but I don't think it's time to completely abandon tech. So we do still have tech exposure within our allocation. Um, certainly anyone who's benchmarked to the S&P 500 uh, cannot ignore technology. Um, and I think it's, it, you know, it's become a bit of a safety trade at times whenever there's a gross scare. And, you know, suddenly that, that group begins to work more meaningfully. And I'm talking about the big mega cap companies like the Apples and the Microsofts of the world. But I do think this recent market pullback has created an opportunity for anybody who hasn't been exposed to add some exposure. And we've certainly been doing that for clients of ours that have been putting new capital to work, where this is a great opportunity to start establishing a position or a greater position in some of those names. So I think it's important to have exposure to both. Uh, we saw a tilt on the cyclical side, but without abandoning the, the technology group. I mean, Doc, you know, what, what is the NASDAQ now? Is it, is it up like 4 or 5% since Tepper said what he did to Kernan on Squawk Box? I mean, it, it really sort of put this move in rates into perspective uh, and gave you insight into one of the greatest investors ever and how he was sort of thinking about where rates are, where he thought they may go, at least in the near term, right? This is not a, a, a long-term call by, by Mr. Tepper by any stretch, but at least in the near term, he thought the bulk of that move w w was exhausted in, in some respects. And then the NASDAQ took off right after that. So that remains the biggest story in the market, right? Rates under control, NASDAQ stocks work. Is it just that simple? It is that simple, Scott. Um, you, you heard Steve Weiss say it as well. Uh, together, we've all kind of voiced that, that it's the speed at which we uh, see uh, rates moving higher. And the fact that we're at the lows of the day right now, Scott, give or take 152 uh, in the 10-year yield, um, that is a very positive thing. And so I was saying that with you last week. Um, I was delighted that David Tepper had a similar sort of view. And I think, uh, not, not that I'm in David's league, I'm not. But uh, I think a lot of us looking at those rates, Scott, thought that some people were trying to get ahead of the banks that didn't have to count these treasuries on their uh, balance sheets as far as for capital that the uh, Fed monitors and so forth until the end of this March period, and then they will have to count them. So a lot of people said, well, if all those bonds start coming off, you know, bonds being sold means rates up. And I think they got ahead of that, trying to squeeze those guys out, men and women that manage those portfolios. I think that that uh, might have been overdone, much like uh, the overdone when somebody's trying to get ahead of Snowflake or any of the lockups in stock. Very similar sort of situation, Scott. So my, my take is that uh, we can certainly tolerate much higher rates than right now, but we will do that in gradual stair steps rather than one big jump. Yeah. And that's a lot better for the market. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we flew to where we, we went, right? And that's sort of what scared everybody. I, yeah. I hear you. So, Steve, I'm going to bring in Brad Gerstner in just a moment. But, Steve Weiss, let me go through three moves that you have, three buys. I want our viewers to hear that before we do the other thing. You bought GM. I thought you already owned GM. You, uh, you bought Exalta and MCOR. So maybe it's just adding to GM or, or what's the story mm -hmm. here? like those. No, I, I traded around GM. I went into carparts.com, recall, and, and I sold that for a bunch of different reasons. Not important to get into, but I'm not sure sure the future is as bright as I thought there. Um, in terms of GM, look, I want the cyclical exposure. Uh, I agree with Dave's call. As a matter of fact, we made it on Friday during the show. So I'm yeah, glad that you followed had, on. If you had as many exposure. zeros next to your name and your bank account as Tepper does, we'd pay more attention to you, Weiss. Sure. You too, Doc, try to claim credit <laughs> right. for it too. When Te oh, yeah. Tepper's yep, like E.F. Hutton, when he talks yeah, to everybody, you know, listens. Look, hey, hey, I, I, I'm willing to trade my looks for his if he trades his wallet for mine. So let, let's leave it that way. In terms of Exalta, I don't think he'll take that deal. In terms of Exalta, <laughs> look, look, <laughs> uh, 
But I'll throw my handicap, which Come is Come on, hurry up. His. Let's go. Exalta. Uh, although he tends to win. Exalta. Okay. Exalta. <laughs> it's a coatings company. It gives me lots of exposure to the consumer. I also, and, you know, it's, car, it's cars, it's, it's commercial transportation. I also bought some MCOR. Again, MCOR is like, you know, these companies are sort of like parts of Honeywell, except a lot cheaper at 15 times earnings. And so they did well in the pandemic trough, and now they'll really explode. So big discounts to the market. That's where I want to be. I continue to add that exposure. I also added to Atcor. I added to UPS. And I added to Boeing, which I initiated last week. All right. So thank you, Farmer Jim, for that. <laughs> okay. Um, I did mention Roblox. Brad Gerser's waiting, of course. We are waiting as well. We all are for the first trade, the direct listing. There it is. The reference price, 45, indicated between 68 and 70. So it's going to be a, a, a good one. One of the biggest IPOs, of course, uh, or at least one of the biggest listings uh, of this year so far. Altimeter leading the pricing round. Its founder and CEO, Brad Gerstner, is with us now to talk about that, the broader tech landscapes. Good to see you again. Thanks for coming back. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah. It's good to see you and the gang. Looks yeah. like Steve's on fire to start the show. <laughs> yeah, what else is new? Um, it's a big day for you. Congratulations. But I, honestly, I think what maybe is the most interesting part of this whole story is that you looked at this before and you gave it to Heisman. And then you came back because you admitted that you missed something. Tell us about that. Well, I'm not sure if I gave them the Heisman or they gave me the Heisman, but you know, listen, we've been studying this landscape for a really long time, Scott. The gaming landscape is changing. When we watched games over years, it was a hit-driven business. And now gaming, I watch my 10-year-old and my 12-year-old play, and it's at the intersection of how they communicate with their friends. It's at the intersection of creativity in these communities at the intersection of entertainment and even commerce. And so we're enthusiastic about gaming generally. We're investors in several companies in the space, as you know, but Roblox is an extraordinary community. We got it wrong. We're thrilled we partnered with them uh, to help them bring them public. Yeah, everything you just said, I, 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 I hear you. I think, you know, everybody's kind of feeling um, what you said about, you know, kids and, and being together and all that, yeah, I mean, during a pandemic, sure. But what about after? Well, the company has given a guide that there's going to be deceleration and normalization in a post-pandemic world. And, you know, it reminds me, you know, a year ago, you and I were here and um, had somebody told us that we were going to have a huge deceleration in April because kids were going to be back in school. You and I would have been celebrating, right? Like, I would much rather have deceleration. I would much rather have the 10-year going up. I'd much rather have growth multiples, uh, you know, contracting, but know that we saved ourselves from this plague. And so, you know, we invest in the company knowing that there would be some natural deceleration, but the underlying trends in that business are phenomenal. This is a business that is exploding around the world with this amazing community of creators and users um, who are on the platform every day. You know, think of it like YouTube, where every day it's a new experience because the ingenuity of these inventors, like my kids, who get on the, uh, who get on the platform and create amazing things. Yeah, I mean, I, I look at the valuation of where it is today based on the listing, $30 billion. Wasn't it just like $4 billion less than a year ago or, or just about that? What does that say about, you know, where we are? I know there's a lot of optimism about this listing. That's undeniable. But from $4 billion to $30 billion in basically a year, if not less? Well, listen, Scott, as you know, we invest for the very long haul. And our team did its work. We've tracked the company for a very long time. You know, and so, yes, it sounds extraordinary. But two things, I think, to point out. Number one, when it raised that capital, we were at the front end of a global pandemic. None of us knew. None of us knew what was going to happen, right? I remember you and I talking after that March 24th show, exhausted and worried about the state of the world. And so I think the investors who were taking the risk at that point in time in the company, right, looked around the table and said, you know, we're going to hold hands and jump, and this is a fair valuation. As it turns out, two incredible things happened. Number one, it became part of an indispensable platform for kids to communicate and create. It introduced the platform to tens of millions of users who had never seen it before, who continue to love it. Um, 
on the other side of that, we, we came up with a miracle cure. You know, the system that we like to tear down of entrepreneurial capitalism produced the greatest vaccines known to man, uh, mankind, and, and we're getting back to work and we're normalizing. Both of those things are terrific outcomes. This company will be long enduring. Remember, for 15 years, it's been growing. And we expect it's going to grow that way for a long time to come. You think it can grow its user base to, uh, you know, beyond whatever age is the wheelhouse right now? Can it can it draw older kids or however you want to refer to them? But you you get the gist of what I'm asking you. Yeah, I, I, re I remember people when uh, they looked at Netflix in the United States and it had, uh, you know, 20 million subscribers and said, just think, could it ever, ever have 200 million subs? Right. And they blew through that number this year. And so when you think of Roblox, um, you know, I see a future where there are a billion people around the planet creating, communicating, interacting on the platform. And to your question about age, it's really fascinating. I think they disclosed at their analyst day that over almost a third of the platform today is over the age of 17. So I think the question as to whether or not this is a hit game, a fad driven game for kids has been asked and answered. And certainly as part of our investment thesis, um, uh, we believe it's not only going to be used by, uh, you know, folks of all generations, but we think it's going to be used all around the world. Let, let me ask you one more about this and then we'll pivot to maybe broader technology. The, the logistics of this, it's not like the company sat back and said and, you know, was advised perhaps, you know, a direct listing is the way we're going to do it company had actually filed for an IPO, right, before pulled it and then decided to do a direct listing. I'm wondering what happened there that led. The, I mean, I know how you feel generally about direct listings. Did that have any influence in how this company decided to proceed? No, let, let me start off by saying that, you know, again, a direct listing is just another way a company can come public. And the beautiful thing is we now have competition in the IPO market which is beneficial for all companies, benefit, beneficial for their employees. And I'm incredibly grateful to Dave Bazuki, to Mike Guthrie and the team who entrusted us. I mean, this is what we do. We help companies come to the public market and they entrusted us to be their partner on that journey. But today's their day. Their decision was really driven by values, right? This is an incredible value-driven business that values the community of users and values their players. And so when they looked at this, they said, hey, we have an opportunity to create a more level playing field for our employees, right? So that they have the same opportunity to sell on opening day as everybody else. And we have an opportunity to create a more level playing field for our users, over a hundred million around the world who may wanna buy our stock. So they get to buy on the same terms as, as all the big funds. I just wonder and if we're- so if we're heading to a landscape, forgive me for interrupting you, of Coke. So now we have direct listings right there. We know how popular they are. SPACs, I mean, you know, what do you got? A dozen new ones of those every day. And I wonder if we're heading towards an IP over, if you will, period, where that's just not the way to go anymore. And you're just not going to see as many as you did in the past because of all of these other options that are out there. Well, I think we've had a absolutely had a structural change in the way companies come public. Right. Banks are going to continue to play a very important role. Right. They're trusted advisors to companies, but they're no longer going to be the exclusive path. And that's to the benefit of the employees. It's to the benefit of these companies. It's to the benefit of the system. Right. That we participate in. And so each company can choose the door that best fits its objectives, its values, gets it the valuation it thinks it deserves, whether it's a world class sponsor um, that I, you know, that Altimeter expects and hopes to be, that can help guide them into the public market, whether it's a direct list or whether it's a traditional bank offering, that choice is going to drive down the cost. It's going to improve the speed. And most importantly, it's going to improve the product. Um, Altimeter's hard at work on what we call our founder's IPO, an IPO designed specifically for, you know, companies like Roblox. And, you know, we think that competition is good in the market. Yeah. You know, the, the last and, and look, I was going to move on, but I forgot. I want to ask you a, a question about this. I'm looking at the structure of the company. OK, the executive team. I see a woman on the executive team. You've made a big deal about your initiatives to put more people of color in the boardroom. I don't see this company having any persons of color in the boardroom. Well, Why remember, 
Well, first, I would say um, every company we invest in, I have a conversation with about the board challenge, right? And the board challenge is not just about black directors in the boardroom. It's about complete diversity in the boardroom. And we have a conversation about diversity in the company. But let me, let me make very clear. Dave and team were far ahead of us on this, right? They value diversity because their community of users is incredibly diverse. So they're going to bring diversity to every aspect of that business, both the executive ranks, the boardroom, et cetera. They value it. They know it's important. Uh, and, I'm, I, I, you know, they were there long before we got involved. No, I, I hear you. But at some point, um, you know, I, I just wonder how you think about taking a, a stand on the issue like you, you publicly have, where you say, you know what, I'm not going to come along for the final tr- part of the ride with you until you follow through with, 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 with what I think is critically important for the future of our companies, new and old. I mean, Scott, it's a fair question, but the, the, the answer is what best achieves our objectives? We've gotten over 70 companies, right, from Starbucks to Salesforce to take the pledge. We have partners standing with us shoulder to shoulder, you know, every day announcing, you know, new black directors on their board, new Latinx directors on their board, Massive step forward in terms of gender diversity in the boardroom and executive ranks. We're going to continue fighting for it. I don't think giving companies ultimatums, having guns to their head, making it a quid pro quo is the best way to go. We're starting a dialogue and a movement. And everybody we talk to, we talk about this issue. I, I, I can't tell you how much momentum, you know, uh, there is in this movement today. You know, we called a play at the board challenge this year. There are over 100 companies in the S&P 500 that still don't have a black director. In 2021, right, there are 100 companies. And our goal is to close that gap over the next 12 months. We're asking all public company CEOs to stand with us, right, to adopt a couple of those companies in the S&P 500 to help them recruit world-class directors. So on this issue, I'm just going to tell you, Roblox is completely on board. Look, you've been a leader on this issue. You deserve credit for, for doing that. You've put yourself out there and you said this is critically important. And I know how much it is to you. But certainly in that same vein, you know, you're going to have to face these kinds of questions when a, a board of directors doesn't have any people of color. I welcome the question. And all I ask is for you and everybody else at CNBC to ask that same question of all the CEOs you have on and all the board members you have on who don't have a black director on their board, who don't have diversity on their board. Fair fair enough. And it's an issue you know how much we are thinking about that in, in the way that we cover business and the way that we know we have to and will cover business into the future. Let's do this. Let's take a quick break. I do want to talk to you about tech. Overall, your portfolio, I know you're coming off an an amazingly good year. We'll talk about that next with Brad Gerstner. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one, which means we do the little things right so that we can keep our promises and you can keep yours too. That's what drives us. To learn how OD can help your business keep its promises, visit ODFL.com. Old Dominion, helping the world keep promises. Welcome back to the Halftime Report. I'm Rahel Solomon, and here is your CNBC News update at this hour. In St. Louis, police have just arrested 47-year-old Sean Lannon in connection with five killings. The bodies of four people, including his ex-wife, were found inside a vehicle at the Albuquerque airport. He was last seen in New Jersey, but as I just said, he was arrested in St. Louis. The murder trial of Kyle Rittenhouse has been delayed for seven months. Both prosecutors and defense attorneys told a judge that they need more time to prepare. Rittenhouse is accused of killing two people and wounding a third during a protest against police brutality in Wisconsin. And the California University is offering to pay students to stop them from going on spring break. That, of course, in an effort to stop the spread of COVID-19. UC Davis is offering $75 gift cards to students who stay put during their vacation or staycation. Students must apply by this afternoon and 2,000 will get the reward. So Scott, they did something similar for Halloween. So I guess it was successful because 
Back again for spring break. Yeah. I'll send it All back right. to you. All right, Rahel, thank you, Rahel Solomon. All right, we're still awaiting Roblox, the first trade there again. The, uh, the price of $45 indicated between 65 and 67. So we're a little tight. We dropped a little bit on the high end of the range, but we've also gotten a little bit tighter on the range itself. So the reference of 45, that's where it looks like it'll have its first trade in its direct listing. I should also let you know that GameStop remains a big story today, and it's been halted. Um, that stock, w- w- more than 300 bucks. Now it's up 23%. Again, it's halted. On that note, Joe Terranova, you have what I think is a really good and interesting question for Brad Gerson. Why don't you go ahead uh, with that as it relates to Roblox and GameStop? Thank you for that, Scott. Brad, uh, good afternoon. And, and I completely agree with you on your enthusiasm surrounding Roblox. My daughter is an active user. My kids are on it all the time. I want to buy the stock. But the concern that I have here is this seems to me to be the classic Reddit stock. And if, in fact, that collective will engages here upon listing, what would you tell the long-term investor? And is there actually enough inside shares to meet that demand? Well, Joe, uh, first, I'm glad your daughter's playing. Um, Great question. And I think a really important question. Altimeter is a long-term investor, right? We hope to own this for the next five to 10 years. And the last thing I want to do is come on here and have a retail investor, a player at home, have this open at a really high price, and they determine that they're going to take a bet on it, right? And, and, and you know, they may need that money in a couple months, right? As Peter Lynch said, buy products you love, right? Companies you know and you understand. But remember, stocks are not lottery tickets, Right. I'm not buying a lottery ticket here because we don't need this money for a very long time. And I would just encourage everybody who's thinking about investing to understand those dynamics. But the one thing I want to say about how we structured pricing as part of this IPO, this is the only IPO I can remember uh, in my career where every single share of the stock is available for sale today. Every employee of the company is free to sell. Every small investor who you know, invested 15 years ago is free to sell, right? Uh, uh, Including Altimeter, free to sell. So I think we have price discovery here in terms of supply that is much, much better than a typical IPO where banks oftentimes really constrain that supply in order to make sure that we have an effective uh, opening to the stock. So um, I hope that answers your question, Joe. I would say, don't invest unless you believe in the company for the long term, right? And I don't know where the stock's going to open today, um, but I certainly think in the fullness of time, this is a company that's going to be worth far greater than the differences we're talking about today. So let me, let, let's go back. Um, this sort of, it goes to like believing and being a longer term investor. March 23rd, 2000. 2020, excuse me, the low, okay? You come here on March 24th with me. Um, you covered your shorts. You had said you pretty much went all in was the message that you gave to investors. Word on the street is you guys had your best year ever. I don't know what the exact numbers are, but that's, that's what I heard is that this was your best year ever because you went in literally the day after the low in the market. So you rode the wave. Are you on the board still or are you off on the beach sort of watching the action because it's just gone too far? You know, Scott, just talking about that day, I mean, I, I, it's visceral for me. Yeah. You know, I remember standing in this office that day. And it was a pretty scary time. Um, and I, I wasn't scared about our portfolio then. Um, you know, the Fed had gone all in. The Treasury had gone all in. And I was as honest as I could be. You know, that day with your viewers, I said, you know, we've gone all in, but I feel like I'm a, you know, a a combat jet fighter flying a a plane and I'm not exactly sure what my course is going to be. You know, on that day, I wasn't worried about our portfolio, but I was really worried about the world. Um, I was worried about, you know, my family, my mom. And so as we sit here today, a year later, and we look at what we've accomplished despite all of the mistakes, right? We've overcome our political mistakes in, in the system that we're all part of, this system of entrepreneurial capitalism, you know, gave us three vaccines, is putting vaccines in arms, is saving, you know, millions of people, 
And that was far from certain when I came on. In fact, the market bottomed that morning, Scott. I remember you and I talking after the show and you just telling me how exhausted you were, right? We were both on the verge of tears then, you know, and I feel that same, uh, you know, kind of overwhelmed by that emotion today. And so, you know, yeah, it was it, it, it ended up being, a, you know, a good year for us. I'm extraordinarily grateful to my team and the people who killed themselves. I've never worked harder, but I'm far more grateful for all those people who risked their lives for the inventors who gave us the vaccines. Right. And, you know, and all the people who lost their lives, right, fighting to put us in the position that we're in today. And so, you know, it's celebratory in the case of, of Roblox, but it's also celebratory in the case of, you know, you guys were talking about the tech wreck last week. I'm thrilled the 10 years going back to normal because that means the world's going back to normal. I'm thrilled that, you know, growth equities are, you know, we're, we're coming back to normal valuations because that means the world's going back to normal. And I'm happily going to trade off some returns in my portfolio for the world coming together to save us from this plague. But I mean, you know, I can and I can I can really hear um, the emotion in your voice and, and see it on your face as as you're reflecting back to a year ago and what you're thinking about today. Um, you you also shared with us in December. It was December 23rd where you said you thought that this year, despite all of those hopes and all of the optimism that you had and others obviously have in the advancements that we've made in the vaccine and how we're thinking about the light at the end of the tunnel and the end of the pandemic, that this year could be disappointing because you said the market had already factored all of that in. So where do you stand today, yep. uh, the middle of March? Yeah, so, uh, you know, I, I came on and I was worried that the 10 year was going to go back to normal, but I was thrilled the world was going to go back to normal. Right. Uh, we talked about the correlation between interest rates, the most powerful market in the world and growth equities, which are long duration assets. Those multiples mathematically go down. Right. And so if you look at those multiples, right, we're 16 or 17 percent off the peak multiples for growth equities but we're still 11% above the, the highs of 2019. So if you ask me, we're somewhere in the middle in terms of the correction uh, you know, for, uh, for, for growth companies. I think some of them have already fully corrected, right? You take something like Zoom, it's already trading at pre-COVID multiples, but there are other companies that we think have, a, you know, have further to go. For us, our portfolio and our exposures we added a bunch of hedges and protection over the course of the last couple of months. We've been taking those off over the course of the last two weeks and adding to the positions we love at what we think are more fair and sustainable prices. Well, I mean, the takeaway of that is going to be the you know, we're in the middle of the correction. So we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk more about that with Brad Gerson or Altimeter. I know the gang has some questions for you, too. We'll do it next. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash report. That is linkedin.com slash report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash report and get started. All right, we're still awaiting Roblox, the first trade there. The reference price of $45 on the direct listing indicated a range now 64 to 66. We'll keep our eyes posted there, and we'll certainly keep them posted on GameStop. Check this out. So shares were, were halted. They reopened, fell off a cliff, and got halted again for volatility. We're back with, with Brad Gerstner now. Just, I mean, Brad, I mean, the, this is feels like it's bordering on the insane at this point, right? I mean, th this is not how this is supposed to work, is it? You've been around this game a long time. Yes. I have, and I'm concerned, right? Um, 
you know, Altimeter is not in the business of of investing in or bringing public, uh, you know, speculative companies or um, companies where there's a bunch of risk, right? And I'm all for the democratization of markets. I love the fact, you know, I grew up, I grew up, uh, you know, putting myself through college, uh, you know, trading a really small amount of money my grandfather had left me after my dad went bankrupt. Like I love zero commissions. I love the fact that we have information share on, on the internet, but I really am concerned um, that, you know, there's too much promotion. There's too much speculation. There's too much treating stocks as lottery tickets for companies that are far from proven. And so again, I'm not trying to talk anybody down from having a good time but people should be risking capital they're not afraid to lose. Um, and I would just say for one at Altimeter, um, you know, that's not, you know, that's never been a way that we, we, we've tried to make money. Um, and, you know, we, we try to keep it really simple. Invest behind the world's most iconic founders and entrepreneurs, those who are, you know, building companies that really are changing the world and just stay out of the way. We don't trade very much. We buy and we hold for the long term. Yeah. Uh, Steve Weiss, you have a question for Brad Gerstner. I do. So, like, you may have missed Roblox a while ago. I missed you when I first met you. We were looking at investing in your fund in 2014. Huge, huge miss. But I have another opportunity, which is in one of your SPACs, AGC, which I owned, moved up quite a bit. And when SPACs just became ubiquitous, I sold it. When are you going to make an acquisition so that I can bet on you again, because I do want to partner with you, and that's a great way to do it. Well, Steve, uh, feelings mutual. And, um, you know, we don't have anything to announce today, obviously, but one thing, you know, th that I do want to make clear, you know, when we launched, we talked about um, building the UNSPAC. And Scott and everybody said, what's, what's the UNSPAC? You know, Altimeter has been hard at work for over, you know, for, for going on a year. And in some ways, my entire career, I started as a securities lawyer doing IPOs, but we've been hard at work to build a world-class IPO platform. I mentioned it earlier. Uh, we call it the Founders IPO, and we're focused on the best companies, the companies that previously had very little choice about how they come to the public markets. And so, you know, we're gonna take our time we're not going to be seduced into bringing risky assets to the public market. Uh, we're not going to overpay, right? We're going to follow our investment principles. We're going to partner with the world's best founders, uh, best CEOs, best companies. Um, and we're going to, you know, we're going to bring those to the public markets because that's what we do. Just like here today with Roblox, they chose a direct list, but we're standing at their side as their long-term partner right, uh, you know, helping them navigate that course. And we look forward to, you know, coming back when we have something to announce and uh, in, in the future. Well, you just, you know, in some respects, as it relates to GameStop, criticize the amount of speculation that's around that stock and just maybe the market in general among a, a certain cohort. But how do you reconcile that with what's taking place in SPACs right now, which some people say is the ultimate sign of speculation in the market. Way too many SPACs chasing way too few good deals. How do you respond to that? I couldn't agree more. There's gotta be a massive shaking out of the SPAC market. I mean, listen, we look, at, we look for good and bad companies, right? The analysts at Altimeter identify short opportunities because we run a hedge fund. A lot of those SPACs are on that list. Right, these are sponsors that have no business bringing companies public, and they're companies that have no business being in the public markets. Right, I'm not going to tell individual investors what they should or shouldn't invest in, but I am going to tell you what we're going to do and what we're not going to do. Um, we're not investing in those in those spags because I don't want to invest in the companies they're bringing to the public market. And ultimately, people will have to ask themselves the question: Is Altimeter differentiated? Are they bringing something different to the public market? And is there something different between an Altimeter Founders IPO and all of this noise and chicanery that's going on in the SPAC market? What we're doing has nothing to do with 99% of what's going on in the SPAC market, which is why I called it the unspac. Yeah, we, we have a SPAC 50, um, which is, you know, obviously like some of these SPACs gotten hammered of late, uh, but we continue to watch that very closely too. 
John and Jerry, there, there's, a, there's our SPAC post deal. We have a couple of uh, indices here, post deal and then the SPAC 50. Um, you can see the SPAC post deal is, is up a bit today. Uh, the SPAC 50 is not. John Najarian's got unusual activity coming up. I know he has a question for you as well, Brad. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back more with Altimeter's Brad Gerstner after this quick break. We're back. Unusual activity. John Najarian, what do you have for us? All right, Scott, I've got two for you quickly. XLE, this is one that I added to today, Scott. They were buying the April double nickel, that's 55 calls. Big numbers, Scott, 32,000, that's 3.2 million share equivalent. I had to add to my position. Stock was about 52 and change when I did, so I bought a lower strike, sold the upper strike one-to-one. Second one, Scott, take a look at DraftKings. I think Pete might have talked about it a couple days ago, but... Wow, between social and the heat seeker, we've seen just a ton of interest in this one. I rolled up to the 67 or 68 calls today. They were buying those in big numbers, about 12,000 of those, Scott. So DraftKings, is this the time it finally breaks through to the upside? We'll see. I'm in those, and I'll probably be in those uh, just a couple days because this is a Friday expiration. All right, good stuff. You also have a question for, for Brad about another stock that, you know. I did was one of the most hot stocks of 2020, certainly towards the end of the year. I think a lot of our viewers may have been in there as well. Exactly. And they just reported, you know, some blowout revenue numbers and so forth. It's Snowflake uh, that I'm asking you about, Brad. Love the company, love the cloud and what they're doing there. Um, Is this company one, since it's so big in your portfolio, of all the ones you looked at in the cloud space, is this the one that we should really focus on? Uh, John, great question. Um, Nothing makes me sleep easier at night. The most significant, (laughs) biggest trends in the entire software sector run by, you know, legendary and fantastic human beings and managers. Um, You know, the -hmm. company is on, as you saw, an absolute tear. I mean, I always ask the, you know, basic question, just like how much do the customers love the product, right? And the the numbers to Mm -hmm. look at in their earnings report are 168%, uh, you know, DNR, and and over 200% what they call RPO. And that's the backlog. That's the new orders. That's customers coming in with multi-year con- or multi-million dollar contracts. I think they released a number over 12 customers now doing over $5 million a year. This is becoming the default for the entire enterprise sector where they're going to put all of their data, process all of their data, and the roadmap and the pipeline for that company has me as, as excited as in the last uh, six or seven years we've been investors. Um, so I look forward to the ro- to the next five years ahead. I, I said when I came on the day at IPO'd, right, like anything's possible in the short run. And we saw it a huge run up, huge enthusiasm. We didn't do anything you know, during during that huge run up and we're not doing anything today. It's the largest position we have in the portfolio. Um, we've never been more excited about the company. And so when I come on here a year from now, you're going to ask me if it's a large position. I'm going to tell you it's a large position. And even, you know, um, frankly, Brad, when we said, you know, when you were talking about Thank that, you. you were quite honest about that company itself. You know, when it went public, it, I, I can't remember what it was, a 200 times sales or whatever it was. You you sort of knew how stretched that space was. Um, you, I mean, of course, you liked the company and you said as much, but you were honest in how you assessed where that company and space were in a market that at that time was just super red hot. As you said, it was 429. It came down to 230. I just want to throw it out there in an environment where everybody gets you know, blamed for talking their book. Not that you're not talking about the stocks that you like or your book, some respects too, but you were quite honest with our viewers about what you thought was even possible for a stock that was a high flyer that you loved that could come back down to earth in some respects if the market itself corrected like we've witnessed some of these high flying stocks do. I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, well, that, and thanks for saying that, Scott. I mean, listen, I come on here and I try to do my best. I try to be honest about what we're doing and I try to be honest with the folks viewing at home as. You know, like it may or may not work for them, but I'm going to shoot them straight about what we're up to. And when I think about, you know, this company, again, you know, bet on iconic, uh, you know, and important trends, bet on great managers who are going to tell you the truth and who are going to deliver. Right. And this company is at this vibrant intersection of both of those. But the truth of the matter is 
What I was worried about when I came on then is what we, we just started talking about, you know, a bit ago, which is I thought the 10 year would normalize because I'm an optimist. I believe the world would normalize. And so if you believe that, then it's just mathematical. It's mathematical that dollars will rotate back into the Treasury market, that long duration assets and their multiples will compress. And like I said, we've seen that. I think at this at that time, you know, Zoom was probably over 500. Peloton was probably 200 there. You know, a lot of these stocks are down 40 or 50 percent from those highs. And, you know, those were Red Bull induced highs. Right. With a bunch of marginal trades going on, there wasn't real institutional demand there. And I said as much when I'm on. But I also want to be equally clear. I couldn't be more thrilled about this being the, you know, the, the, the lead horse in our portfolio at two hundred and thirty dollars a share. For years and years to come. Yeah, there probably was some Tito's in that Red Bull, too. That's that's what kind of market we had. All right, we'll take a quick break. Yeah. We'll come back. Actually, we're not going to take a quick break. We're going to go right to uh, our, our futures outlook. I'm sorry. Treasury yield stabilizing after today's tame inflation report. Jeff Kilberg has our trade. Hey, Jeff, what do you got for us? Hey, Judge, no break yet, pal. No. What I have actually have in the next 10 minutes, we have a 10-year Treasury note auction. So I'm a big believer, as well as Tepper, that we're going to see 10-year yields come back down, dip back under 1.5%. But what's interesting, when you look at the appetite globally, there's $18 trillion still in negative yields. Therefore, I think we're going to have a strong demand today. In this auction, tomorrow, we have a 30-year auction representing about $24 billion. So the trade to potentially profit off this, Judge, is I want to be a buyer of the June contract, that's the futures contract and allow us to participate to the upside here, being a buyer at 132.05, looking for a one full handle move up to 133.05, but being mindful in the event we do see yields stubbornly stay above 1.5%, when we stopped out at 131.21. I'm risking 500 bucks, Judge, to make $1,000. All right, thanks for the trade. We'll take a quick break. More with Brad Gerstner next. Also, final trades. We're told Roblox getting closer. There it is. 64 to 66 is the range. $45 was the reference price. So we will hopefully get a trade in that before we hand it over to the exchange. GameStop, got to check that one, too, because we showed you it opened. It fell off a cliff. Then it reopened. And now it was halted again, this time to the upside. Now it's up six and a third percent. We're back. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Back with. I know it is laughable. I don't know what else you can do. That's the appropriate reaction. Yeah. Uh, Joe Terranova, you have a question about another stock for Brad Gerstner. I do, Scott. Brad, Pinduo Duo, it's a name that a lot of the viewers are in. I know you have a large position. I'm in there as well. I actually added to my position when Alibaba had the issues with Chinese regulators. I thought that would benefit the platform of Pinduo Duo. How are you thinking about that position now? It obviously has pulled back significantly from 212 down to 150. Right. You know, Joe, uh, you know, as we discussed on all of these high flyers that were all COVID beneficiaries, it was just it's been fairly predictable and mathematical that we would get these pullbacks. But what I can say is it's just another iconic business with real competitive moat and advantages in an important segment in China. And remember, with all e-commerce, there's a real question and we're going to start seeing data in April and May, the lapping of the COVID effect. And how much of this growth is durable and how much of this growth are we giving back? And what they're seeing in China, not just at, at PDD, but, but in other places, remember, they normalized right far before the United States did. And we're seeing these elevated rates of growth in that part of the world continue, which suggests that the new users that they brought into the product, right, much like, you know, companies like Peloton here in the U.S. or e-commerce companies, uh, like C Limited or e-commerce companies like Farfetch, they're seeing durability to the trial that was stimulated uh, by COVID. So we're enthusiastic, though we're not surprised that we're going to get a pullback. And like I said earlier, we're only 15% for most of, you know, for the average off the highs, and we're still well above prior peaks. So nobody should be surprised here mm-hmm. if three months from now we're talking about another 10% pullback as, as the interest rate, you know, I know David Tepper controls the market. I know David Tepper said, <laughs> you know, that we're going to have a short-term pullback here in the 10-year. And we may very well. He's far smarter than I am, um, you know, and, and, and an incredible investor. Um, but what I would say is, you know, and I think he adjusted, amended this morning, uh, you know, in some, in, in some text to CNBC that he thought that was temporary. 
I would agree with that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think over the medium term, the 10 years going higher because we're normalizing and rates will continue to come in. Yeah, yep, yep. Uh, great to talk to you as always. Congrats on this big day for you and Altimeter. We'll talk to you again soon. Brad Gerstner. All right. All right. We have, we're going to get final trades in a second, but here's a $64,000 question. Anybody buying Roblox today, Joe? You? You buying this, this IPO? Doc's shaking his head no. Brenda already told our producers no. she doesn't want any part of this thing. Joe, you? Oh, Scott, you know it's hard to say no to my daughter. You know her well, so I'm probably going to have to buy some Roblox because she wants <laughs> okay, me to. Okay, you'll probably do it for that reason. Steve Weiss, I don't think, is touching this either. Let's, um, let's do final trades. Maybe we'll get a trade in it, the first one in the last minute that we have on the air. Uh, we'll see what happens. Brenda, why don't you give us a quick final trade? Sure. CVS, um, lowering health care costs, it's done well this year, still trading at only nine times earnings. I think there's an opportunity there. Okay. Steve Weiss? MCOR, board is diversified. ESG, perfect. Let's go. All, All right. right. Dr. J? DraftKings, Scott, they're buying the August 90 calls right now. Love it. Joe T? When Steph Curry's hot, you give him the ball. Goldman Sachs is the Steph Curry of my portfolio right now. I'm buying more. All right. All right, guys. It's good to see you. Uh, it's been a fun show. Let's check out Roblox again. Uh, reference price 45, waiting for it to open. We're t- told it could ha- literally happen any moment. Uh, the range right now is tight, 64 to 66. We'll watch that. Let's throw up GameStop, give you a little quick look there. It's been halted a few times. It's been a crazy volatile <laughs> day already for shares of GameStop. Last we checked, it was halted this time to the upside. It's already been a big and volatile day for the stock market, including the NASDAQ, which was up big, then down, now positive. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today.